Hi everyone, welcome to Hopevale Church. I'm Adam Harbaugh, I'm one of the pastors here. Thank you for joining us as we worship today. Our prayer is that you'll experience the hope and peace of Jesus through today's service. And if you're checking out Hopevale for the first time, I want to extend a special welcome to you and invite you to fill out a digital connect card on our website at hopevale.org new. We'd love to know that you're here and to give you some additional information about how to connect with the life of the church. And we especially look forward to meeting you in person. And if you're a family with children, you can go to hopevale.org slash family resources. That page has great content for you to lead your kids through in worship. As we prepare to worship Jesus through today's service, let me open us in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to gather in our homes all throughout this region and turn our attention to you. God, you are so worthy of uh, our praise. You are so worthy of our attention and our worship, and we want to give that to you today. So Lord, we come with expectant hearts for how uh, you want to work in and through us. And God, so would your Holy Spirit just encourage us in uh, the season that we're in, whatever that looks like for everybody who's participating today. God, that your spirit would just uh, extend a special measure of encouragement and grace to them today. God, would you speak through uh, the words of the music that we're going to sing and the message that we're going to hear. And God, again, we just come expectantly for what you're going to do. And today we are here to tell you how much we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Welcome to Hope Vale. We are so excited that you decided to log on and join us today. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, we just want to invite you to worship with us, celebrate with us, and just enjoy praising our King.
God is such a mighty God. And sometimes I think in our faith journey, we can feel a little overwhelmed by that. He's so mighty. And we're so small in comparison. And as I was preparing for this week and trying to figure out what I wanted to say and how I wanted to connect to the next song we're going to be singing, I just I really felt that I needed to just sort of share my heart. And I, in my faith journey and my relationship with God, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, when I'm feeling anxious, when I'm feeling fearful, when I'm feeling like I just need to be in the presence of that mighty God, my prayer is, you know my heart. God, you know my heart. And that just strips away all of the hymns so high up here, me down here, and just an honesty of laying it at his feet and knowing that he loves me. And I don't know that I can really put into words what that feels like when I lay my heart out there and just say, God, you know my heart. You know my motives. You know the good, the bad, the not so good, the in-between, the anxiety, the fear. You know it all. And I just need you, God. That honesty, wow, that can be a lot. Honesty takes humility. It takes courage. It takes trust. But that feeling when I feel God's presence, there's a relief. There's a grace. There's a peace. And there's love. There's nothing but love. Always. Every time. And so as we continue in worship and as we sing this next song, I just want to invite all of you, wherever you're at in your relationship with God and your faith journey, maybe you're like me and, and you just need to let it go and say, you know my heart. Maybe you're still getting there and it's a little tougher and you're taking that first step to just say, here's my heart. Wherever you are today, I just want to invite you to sing this as your prayer. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. Cause I am found. I am yours. I am loved. I'm made pure. I have life. 
God, that's our prayer. That's our prayer that you will speak your truth and that we will have open hearts to hear it. God, that we can just lay down everything at your feet and know that your grace, your light, your truth is all that we need. God, we love you so much and we are so grateful for your grace and for your love. God, let us be open as you continue to speak your truth today and in our lives. In your name we pray, amen. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. That really is the essence of worship and why we gather week by week here at Hopevale. We believe that there is a God, that he is real, and that he has something for us, that his ways are true, and sometimes that truth comes to us like a warm caress. Other times it is like a jolting blow, right? So sometimes, whether it's encouragement or challenge, God has a word for us, and I trust you'll hear that today. Anyways, I'm Pastor Dan. I, too, want to thank you for logging on and joining us for worship. You know, we are now into August, and I just want to say up front, first of all, thanking you for your prayers and your patience as we try to navigate a very complicated and ever-changing landscape of what it means for us to gather for worship as a church So right now, we're in this phase where we are offering these complimentary worship experiences, both online and outside. And for me, it was great to see some of you last week at our Saginaw campus. And likewise, I heard wonderful things from Pastor Nate and the turnout in Bay City as well. We're going to continue that this weekend, Saginaw, Sunday morning, 9, 10, 11 a.m., about a half hour each, as well as in Bay City at 10.30. We'll continue on that way and just stay posted as we keep you up to date with the latest information. Well, today I am wrapping up a series we've entitled Better. Better, Four Wise Choices for a Better Life, where week by week we have been looking into the scriptures to see what God says is better when it comes to the choices we face and the decisions we make that shape the destiny of our lives. Now, to begin today's message, I want to go back to a diagram that we shared a lot last fall and also looked at at the beginning of this year. It's called our life model. And it's built upon the wonderful promise of John 10.10 and what really is the heart of Christianity, that Jesus came, died, and rose again so that we could enter into capital L life and experience that life to its fullest, which means that everything begins with Jesus and our relationship with him, right? 
It starts in the middle, us knowing him personally as our Savior and following him more fully as our Lord. That's where life is found. In this life, it is meant to affect every hour of our week and every area of our lives in a 168 kind of way, that whatever you're going through, Jesus cares about all of it, and he's there with you to see you through it. Which, by the way, is what I really tried to hammer home last week when we talked about poise being better than power and how poise is my confidence in God's providence. That when we have life with Jesus at the core, who we are and how we live, right, can see us through the uncertain days that we can walk through those with patience and self-control rather than anger and fear. Why? Because we know that God is always at work. He is in control and he is lovingly working out his plan for our good and his glory, always, even in the midst of our suffering. Like I said last week, God doesn't promise that he'll spare us from suffering, but he does promise that he'll see us through it. He did that for his son Jesus, right? From a cruel cross to an empty grave. And for those of us who know this Jesus, we can be sure that he will do the same for us as well. Why? Because we share in the power and the promise of his resurrection life. Listen, we all build our lives on something. But as the virus and the economy and the restrictions and the lockdown have taught us and have exposed in us, the only foundation that'll last is the foundation that's built upon a life with Jesus. So back to the diagram, right? It starts with this life with Jesus, but then our life with Jesus should spill over into our life with people, both within the church and beyond, right? That it's not meant to be hoarded. No, this life is meant to be shared with people, both within the church and beyond, and it's this aspect of our life with people that I want us to look at today in our better passages. Even more specifically, it's about the way we talk and the words we use with the people that we know. Words. <laughs> you know, as we look around at our world right now, when it comes to how we speak to other people and about other people, I cannot think of a time in my life when the volume of our words has been so high and yet the value of our words has been so low. Not only that, but the venom in our words has been as poisonous as ever where people are using their words not to communicate, but to assassinate. Now again, these are unusually stressful times and so I get that kind of speech coming from faithless people who might be angry or fearful at the core. After all, Jesus himself said that the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. But I get to tell you that for those of us who have and experience this capital L life with Jesus, it is absolutely unacceptable for us to be carried along in this same swift current of unsavory speech. Absolutely unacceptable for us to use our words like that. But do we care? Do we care, and not only for ourselves, but also with each other? That for those of us who worship together here at Hopevale Church and share a common faith in Jesus Christ, are we really okay 
with the volume and the venom of our words. See, whether it is in person or online, what we say matters. What we say matters and how we say it matters as well. And so we need to be the kind of church that uses our words wisely and uses our words well, rather than destructively, deceptively, and recklessly. So when it comes to our words, what does it mean then for us to make the better choice? Well, today, God's wisdom is going to get us to think differently about our words, to think differently what we say, what we hear, what we want, and what we need. So let's go ahead and take a look at a few passages. First, from the wisdom of Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 7, verse 5. It is better, there's our word, better, to heed the rebuke of a wise person than to listen to the song of fools. To heed a rebuke, to pay attention to strong words of a wise person than to listen to the, strong, the song of fools. Now, I want you to hold on to this word rebuke because we'll get back to it later on. But for now, the gist of the passage that I want you to understand is this. That strong, wise words that will help us in the long run are better for us than sweet, foolish words that might make us feel good in the moment. Here's another better thought from the book of Proverbs, chapter 27, very similar. Verse 5, verse 6. Better is open rebuke, there's that word, than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. There's our word again, rebuke. We're in the context of friendship. Words that are profitable for us are not always going to feel pleasant to us. Do you understand that? As a matter of fact, at the time that they're spoken, they're probably going to come off more like wounds than kisses. Even still, when spoken by the right person at the right time in the right way, a strong, open rebuke is better than hidden love. And then finally, a chapter later, one more bit of wisdom when it comes to this word rebuke. Proverbs 28, verse 23. Whoever rebukes a person will in the end gain favor rather than one who has a flattering tongue. A flattering tongue. You know what flattery is, right? Flattery is someone telling you what you want to hear rather than what you need to hear. Now let's face it, I mean, who doesn't want to hear good things about themselves, right? But it says right here that flattery in the end won't benefit us the way a loving rebuke will. And the big reason why is that the one doing the flattering usually has their best interest in mind, not ours. While rebuke, when it is done well, comes from this genuine place of love. And again, those motives usually don't show up until much further down the road. Why? Because whoever rebukes a person will in the end gain favor rather than the one who has a flattering tongue, which leads us then to our better statement for the week, that honesty is better than flattery. Honesty is better than flattery, that with our speech to each other in the church, with those closest to us, honesty is better than flattery. So an honest rebuke, right, what is that? It's true words spoken strongly for my good. Whereas flattery, deceptive words spoken sweetly, for my harm. See, I would paint the contrast this way. Pay attention. 
that while a rebuke might hurt us in the moment, flattery will harm us in the end. That's why whether we're speaking it or receiving it, honesty is far better than flattery. So, here's the big question I want you to ask yourself. Actually, two, do you have someone in your life that cares enough about you to shoot straight with you? And if you do, are you open to hearing what they want to say to you? Do you have someone in your life who cares enough about you to shoot straight with you? And if you do, are you open to hearing what they have to say to you? See, in this angry and fearful world of ours with all these words of such loud volume and yet so little value, here's my fear for the church, for Christians, for us here at Hopevale, that when it comes to receiving the strong words that are meant for our good, we're either too stubborn or we're too sensitive to really receive them. Too stubborn or too sensitive Right? We're too stubborn that we might not actually believe we have blind spots and actually need caring correction from others. No, we just think we're always right, and as a matter of fact, you know, what you have to say to me is none of your business. Too stubborn or too sensitive. We get overly defensive, take everything personal, and just crumble when anyone ever says anything to us. Which, you know what, by the way, that's just as prideful as being stubborn. It is, it's just not as obvious. No, perpetually playing the victim is incredibly self-centered. So stubbornness says, I don't need it, while um, sensitivity says, I can't take it. But either way, the fact of the matter is this, that when we resist a loving rebuke from a caring friend that they might have for us, we are missing out on the blessing of God and his better wisdom for our life. We're missing out, and you know what? We just might be turning our back on the key to our next spiritual breakthrough. It's true. And so as a church and with each other, how can we add value to our words? That if honesty is indeed better than flattery, an open rebuke better than hidden love, how can we use our words wisely and use our words well with each other? Whether that's the true words we speak strongly for someone else's good or it's us being on the receiving end of those same kind of words. Well, this is where I want us to get more practical when it comes to this idea of a loving rebuke because things can get pretty ugly rather quickly if it's not done well. And so whether you are on the giving end or the receiving end of a rebuke, you have to start with this foundational principle. Here it is. That a rebuke requires a relationship. A rebuke requires a relationship. That's step number one. And if you don't have the relationship, then just back off. Again, this is where we as Christians seem to be getting it wrong these days. Where we are using our strongest words with people we don't know at all while we're saving our softest words or even our silence for the people we know the best. And so there we are behind the safety of our phones and our computers. We're taking our stands. We're rebuking anyone and everyone who doesn't see the world the way we do. The rioters are the racists. The protesters are the police. The liberal left are the irrational right. 
And yet there's that Christian friend we've known for years, involved in some destructive behaviors, sinful habits, ugly speech, toxic attitudes. They're legitimately harming themselves and others, and yet we just let it slide. Listen, when we keep on getting it backwards like that, we just wind up inflaming the culture and injuring the church. Inflaming the culture and injuring the church. No, a rebuke requires a relationship. That the true words we speak strongly for someone else's good, they're only going to be received if that person truly believes we have their best interests in mind. So save your strongest rebukes for the people and the places where they're going to do the most good because a rebuke requires a relationship. So if the relationship is there and you do happen to find yourself feeling a nudge from God to give a loving rebuke to a close friend over something you've seen with them, here are a few things I want you to keep in mind. First, examine your life and motives first. Examine your own life and your motives first. You know, the last thing that any of us need is a do-what-I-say-not-what-I-do type of lecture from someone who doesn't practice what they preach. Now, to be clear, we're never going to be perfect, but we certainly need to be well past hypocrisy. Likewise, our motives for why we do what we do are so important that for giving a rebuke, are we coming not just from a place of truth, but also from grace? Is our heart for them restoration or condemnation? Are we trying to lift them up or are we trying to put them in their place? Are we trying to be helpful or are we trying to be harmful? And would be, we be willing to have that same conversation were they to approach us? It all starts with a look in the mirror, right? Honesty with ourselves, humility before God. Examine your life and your motives first. Second, pause, pray, prepare, then proceed. Pause, right? So even if you do have this super close friendship, resist the temptation to hastily rebuke your friend right on the spot in the moment. Listen, I've done that before, and it rarely turns out well. You know, if you see something, pause before you say something. And then actually, pray that the first conversation you need to have isn't with them, but it's actually with God in prayer, where you're asking for clarity to say things well. And you're asking for compassion to say things lovingly, right? Because we got to make sure, we need that clarity, that wisdom from God, that the behavior we're confronting is actually addressed in Scripture and just not a matter of a difference of personal preference. And then from there, prepare, right? What you're going to say, how you're going to say it, when you're going to say it to them, that you're going to reach out to them, give them a heads up, not catch them off guard. Tell them that you want to have a serious conversation, and then you just got to do it, right? Proceed. Make it happen. And when you do, it's got to be face-to-face, right? Don't email, don't text, don't Facebook post your rebuke, no matter how noble your intentions might be. Pause, pray, prepare, then proceed. And then third, stick around for their restoration, Stick around for their restoration. In other words, this isn't a mafia hit, right? Get in, get out, move on. No, like I said before, the goal of a loving rebuke is not condemnation, but restoration. 
And so with every strong exhortation we have, there also needs to be hopeful encouragement and a willingness to be part of the solution. See, that's what Jesus does with us in his grace and truth, and it's what we also need to do with others. And so if you think you need to say it to them, then you also need to be willing to be there for them, right? A conversation like that then doesn't mean that you're finished. No, it just means you're getting started, right? So stick around for the restoration. And these are just a few of the ideas of things we need to keep in mind if we are going to speak the truth and love with those closest to us. But then what if we find that we're the ones on the receiving end of a rebuke? What if someone comes to us and wants to have a strong yet loving conversation like this? Well, let me share a few thoughts I have here as well, and then I'll close with a final word for all of us. First, believe the best in your friend. Believe the best in your friend. So when your friend is trying to address something difficult with you, you need to push past the pain of what you're hearing. Look to the person and trust their hearts. Listen, we all know from personal experience that it's never easy to initiate a tough conversation like this, and we need to know that the same is true with them. It's not like they're confronting you, right, because they want to. No, they're doing it because out of love they feel like they need to. So yes, it may feel hurtful in the moment, but they're not trying to be harmful. No, in strongly speaking the truth and love to you, they're actually trying to be helpful helpful. Now, just to be clear, I'm not saying that everyone who's up in your business and rebuking you for every little thing has your best in mind. No, there are just some Christians out there who think it's their job to be the church police, right? But even if some people are doing it wrongly, doesn't mean you need to dismiss this entirely. No, if your friend has a loving rebuke for you, then you need to believe the best in them. Second, respond don't retaliate. Respond, don't retaliate. Retaliating is us immediately lashing back with defensive words that come from hurt feelings and wounded emotions, right? And we've all been there, haven't we? Where we wanna turn the table back at them and point out everything they're doing wrong as if it's some kind of competition. But just like we saw with Jesus last week, that he did not retaliate when he was unjustly accused and unfairly treated. No, he kept his poise. Why? Because his confidence was in God's providence. Likewise, when we're on the receiving end of a strong rebuke spoken in truth and love, we need to resist the temptation to react and to retaliate back. Instead, by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, we should take a deep breath, count to 10, and respond with poise, patience, and self-control. Responding in the moment can also look like expressing appreciation or asking some clarifying questions. Because if you're like me, we usually don't hear very well the first time around because we're so wound up. So it's okay to ask some follow-up questions like, what did you mean when you said this? Or what's the blind spot you see that I can't see in myself? Things like that, right? Respond, don't retaliate. And then third, seek God and be open to their help. Seek God on your own and then be open to their help. 
that after the conversation's over and you've got some time alone, bring what they've said and what you're thinking before the Lord. Bring it before the Lord. There is this incredible prayer at the end of Psalm 139 that is perfect for moments like these. Listen. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So as you're processing what you've heard, invite God into that conversation. Search me, show me, lead me. And you know what? God really does hear and answer honest and heartfelt prayers like those. And then after a day or so, when you've heard from God, reach out to your friend. Ask for their help to pray for you, to keep talking with you, to hold you accountable, to point you to some pastoral or professional counseling if you need it. Because, you know, when we pray, lead me in the way everlasting, I truly believe that God wants to use those who are closest to us as part of the answer to that prayer. So seek God and be open to their help. Honesty is truly better than flattery. And in today's world of such high volume yet low value speech, wouldn't it be great if we as a church would use our words wisely and use our words well? So I'm not saying, right, that we need to give up on strong speech because as we've seen today, there really is a blessing that's to be found in a loving rebuke from a close friend. So what if? What if we spoke our strongest words in love rather than anger? And then instead of getting in the crossfire, caught up in the crossfire of our culture wars, right? What if they, those words, were for our closest friends rather than our dreaded enemies? What if? Imagine how transformational and countercultural that would be for the church where we as Christians are calling each other to something different and something better. Because I truly believe that not only should our life with people, life with Jesus spill over to our life with people, but that also our life with people, that when we as Jesus followers live that out well with each other, it will in turn catalyze our life with Jesus. They'll give us the spark, right? so that the word we need the most from him just might come from the one right next to us. That honesty is indeed better than flattery and that an open rebuke from a caring friend is far better than hidden love. So Hope Al, with our words to each other, let's live better. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as part of our worship today, we sang, speak what is true. And we believe you do that as we hear your voice through the word of God from the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit within us. But God, sometimes your word comes through a brother or sister in Christ, a caring friend who really does have our best in mind. And so, God, let us be people who seek out not what we want to hear, but what we need to hear. 
Because, Father, um, we all have blind spots. We all are susceptible to getting caught up in the chaos around us, of not living in ways that honor you, but getting dragged down. And so, God, may we be people who value the words we use, right? That we would not be reckless in person. We would not be destructive online. But everything we say, how we say it, would honor you and encourage others. And so, Lord, even now, if you are bringing someone to mind that we need, to give a strong rebuke out of love because we care for them. Show us who that is, how to say it, and what to say. And God, if someone approaches us, just give us an open heart that we would not be too stubborn, we would not be overly sensitive, but we would have what you have for us through them. God, because thank you in all of this, there's grace, lots and lots of grace we can keep coming back to you, our Heavenly Father, again and again and again. We pray this in the victorious and hope-filled name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
That is a powerful song of surrender. We sing it as people who have come to the realization that apart from Jesus, we are running on empty. So what better option do we have than to run to the Father where we find true life in him? So may that be an encouragement to surrender our lives to Jesus every day and run to our Heavenly Father who loves us without condition. Well, Hopeville, Once again, we just want to say thank you for your faithful giving to Hopevale as an act of worship. Jesus is using this church in this region and around the world to draw people closer to himself. And that wouldn't be possible without your generosity. So thank you. And if you'd like to give to what the Lord is doing through Hopevale, there are a couple ways that you can do that. First, you can give electronically at hopevale.org slash give or through our mobile app, or by texting the word HOPEVALE to 77977. You can also mail in or drop off your gift to our church office on Shattuck Road here in Saginaw. And finally, I want to encourage you to join us for our Sunday morning outdoor gatherings. These are a family-friendly complement to the online service and have been great opportunities to safely be together in person. 
So please go to hopefield.org slash relaunch for all the details on those gatherings. So thanks again for joining us today. Let's stay surrendered to Jesus, and we'll see you soon. August 9th, we're launching a brand new teaching series for the month of August called Unlikely. We all love stories where the hero saves the day, but what makes those stories even more amazing is when those heroes never should have been heroes, but God chooses to use them anyway. We're going to take a look at four improbable stars with incredible stories and see how God used them in spite of their limitations, their failures, their occupation, or even their age to do amazing things and how God could absolutely do the same kind of thing through you and through me. So join us for Unlikely, Improbable Stars with Incredible Stories.